This morning, this afternoon, and tomorrow, may we hear the Savior calling, and may he prepare us for our mission. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A portion of God's word for our encouragement and preparation for our calling to share our Savior is taken from our epistle reading from Acts. I'd like to just read two of the verses for you. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Our God wins over bias. It seems there are some things in life that we have to learn, learn, and and relearn again. For example, to remember to call your mother on more days than just Mother's Day and her birthday, right? Or to be thankful for the seemingly small blessings that sometimes, you know, sets as family and, and good friends and health before they are started to be taken away. To remember that God's plan of salvation is purely by what Christ has done, not by our our works or our merits. We need to learn, learn, and relearn that we have a sinful nature that continually tries to work against anything that God wants including sharing Christ with others. And Satan is right there to help that sinful nature. That sinful nature. It is, it is sneaky. It is disgusting. But sadly, it's a reality. May our God enable us and give us the power to learn, learn and, and relearn again that our God wins over bias. Understanding I am using the word bias to mean sinful thoughts, unfair thoughts that can and do lead to sinful treatments of others. First, let's look at the biases of Jesus' disciples. We'll start with Peter. I'd like to share a couple verses that go right before our reading that that Michael read. Verse 27. It says, While talking with him, and that's Cornelius, Peter went inside and found a gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. The Apostle Peter, a good, practicing Jewish man, followed to the best of his abilities those Old Testament rules and regulations of how they were to act, most from the Bible, but some that they are added later. And we need to realize or remember that indeed God did put a wall around the Jewish people so that hopefully they would not adapt the sinful practices of the people around them or start praying to their gods, the idols that were around them. Because they needed to be preserved 
because God's promise was the Savior was going to come from the Jewish people. But that never meant that God hated the other people. The other people that weren't from Israel, that never was part of the message. The message of God's love for all people is obvious in the Old Testament. That the Savior that was going to become was to be a Savior of all people. But the plan was this way. God would put this wall around his people to protect them. And then as they would follow his will, he would so richly bless them in every way imaginable that the people of the countries around them say, wow, what is going on there? Let's find out what is the secret. And then they could share, it is our God and his plan of salvation. So that they could also become believers in that one that we knew someday was named Jesus and follow him and be saved. But it seems, sadly, the Jewish people's sinful nature and Satan turned this upside down, tempting so many of them to come to understand or believe themselves that they were better than others, that God had selected them because they were superior in some way, and they shouldn't have anything to do in any way with anybody else. How sad. Sinfully biased, prejudiced, against anyone and everyone that wasn't Jewish, and even not Jewish in a way that they were Jewish. But adopted by so many. Sound familiar? The world that we might live in, and maybe sometimes we participate in. So God taught Peter a vitally important message. By this time, Jesus' ministry, earthly ministry, had been completed. He had went back into heaven. That meant that many of the Old Testament ceremonial rules and regulations no longer had to be in effect. That meant the Jewish people had to be open to change something that they had done for hundreds, thousands of years. How easy is it for you to change Something you're comfortable in. Something you're convinced of. So God started this learning process through a vision that Peter had. The vision was like this. A blanket came down out of heaven. And on that blanket was all kinds of of forbidden food. Animals and other things that they were not allowed to eat. And a voice came and said, Peter, eat. Because I, I have never eaten any of those things. I never will. Oh, the blanket came down again. He was told to eat. The blanket came down again, and he was told to eat. Finally, Peter got it. So he proclaimed, But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. I ask you why you sent for me. So far, Peter. About the other disciples, whether they like Peter in these things or not. <clears throat> Let's uh, see if we can learn something from our gospel reading from Matthew 10. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. 
Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus and his disciples were in a non-Jewish, non-Israel territory, Tyre and Sidon. And a woman with, with great need came to him and looked to him and begged him for something. But what was the nationality of this, this woman? Right? Canaanite. Now, if you remember when God brought the people out of Egypt, Moses led them out, and when they were to go into the promised land, what were they to do with every living soul in the land, including the Canaanites? Wipe them out. Kill them all. But they didn't do that. And here, this is an offspring of, of, those, of those people. Now, um, what was going on here? People that weren't destroyed. This woman came and asked for help. But Jesus did not answer a word. Right? So must have, you think it struck the, the disciples like, why isn't he responding to this woman, right? Uh, this is the Jesus that helps anybody and everybody, right? And even when he's tired, even when he's trying to get away, somebody comes and he says he has compassion on them, and he helps them, he heals them, but this one not. So the disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying after us. Now, we can't read hearts and minds of the disciples. But we do observe that Jesus did not um, stop and heal her, or stop and, and grant what she had asked for. And it sure seemed like Jesus was ignoring her. So it's not the normal way of operating with those who are in need. So what should they conclude? He wasn't going to help her. He was, he was you know, not interested in her. So get rid of her. She, she is bothering us. What do we have? Potentially biased, right? Prejudiced against a Canaanite woman. And then you add Jesus' words that seemed uncaring, unkind. Could they be biased also? He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. What a marvelous teaching opportunity. Jesus gave to his disciples then, and he gives to us now. About not being biased against others from other nations that have backgrounds maybe that conflicted with your people's backgrounds. We know there was no sinful bias or prejudice by Jesus. He never sinned in any way. And we, we see that, how this account ends. He wasn't prejudiced because of uh, place of birth or gender. How about another example where we may see some of these same things? The parable of the Good Samaritan. Right? A Jewish man was traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem along those dangerous roads, and he was beat up and left for dead. And two people who... who you know, who were to care about other people, for sure their own brothers came along, religious type, you know. They walked around the other side. And who helped them? Who came along and had pity and helped him? 
the despised Samaritans, those half-breeds that you, you wouldn't have anything to do with. What's the point? Who was Jesus trying to teach? He was teaching an expert in the law, an expert in the Jewish law who was supposed to know all these kinds of things, you know, who, who uh, you know, thought he could be saved by loving the Lord God with all his heart and all his mind and all his soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he asked the question, right? Okay, then, who is my neighbor? Who are those I have to love like myself? And... At the end of the parable, right, Jesus asked the expert in the law, okay, in this example, who is the neighbor? And he could not even say the word Samaritan. He said the one who helped him, the one who showed him love. Again, was there prejudice, bias there? Um, one might wonder, right? And there are other accounts, the ten lepers, right? Which of the ten lepers came back to thank Jesus for being healed? One, and that one was the Samaritan. Bias and prejudice. They lived in a world then, and kind of like the world where we have now, where, where wealth and accumulating things was seen as a great sign of whatever, God's blessings to you, someone you want to hang around with. Um, so the Holy Spirit had James write, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To amass houses, to, to get wealth, no, 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 none of that. He said, to look after orphans and widows. Those that no one really cared about, no one took care of. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Help those in need and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So what about the, the biases, the sinful prejudice um, and actions from Jesus' present-day disciples? Us, you, and me. You know, we disciples who, who love Jesus, otherwise he wouldn't be here, right? Who want to follow his will. Who want to serve him. We always need to remember we're not in heaven yet. Our sinful nature is alive and well. And Satan in the sinful world lurks around each and every one of us. I can't, obviously, read your hearts and minds any more than you can read mine. But sometimes I wonder if one of Satan's ploys against us isn't to desensitize ourselves to our biases and our prejudices. I mean, we can see them in other people, right? We can point them out, but we can't see ours because we've got this plank, right? This biased plank in our eye. I haven't followed you around for two or three years like Jesus' disciples followed Jesus. He was pretty, pretty aware by that time, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses as far as biases and prejudice. What would he say about ours? I put down a tentative list in the outline. Um, think about these. Do we ever show sinful bias by differences that we have with other people? And maybe in, in uh, simple things like sports, or just opinions on things, or 
you know, politics that might keep us from being willing and open and wanting to share who Jesus is with that person. <clears throat> Do we show sinful bias by the color of people's skin? Our country doesn't have a very good history of treating people, people that are different in that way. Do we show sinful bias by the country of origin? You know, in America, is it, you know, if, if your forefathers or whatever came 100 years ago, they, you know, then you fit in and you're welcome. But if you came 100 days ago, then we're suspect. We don't, we don't trust you. We're uncomfortable about those kinds of people, those other people. How likely are we to, you know, to, to share our, our faith? Um, I hear the Savior calling, you know. If I could call up some of those slides, I would do that, right? You know, a soul, you know, I forget how the phrase goes, but a soul headed for hell comes to you. What if they look different than you? And talk different than you. Are we, are we going to share Jesus with them? Or are we sort of like, oh, I don't know. Do we show sinful bias because of people's language? They, they talk different. I can't quite understand everything they, they say. How comfortable are we to work at listening to what they say so that we could have the opportunity to share their Savior, who died for their sins. Or are we one of those? And, and there's some truth to this, that, you know, if they come to live in this country, then they should learn English, like the rest of us. You know, it's, it's valuable. And we're the same people, maybe, that go to a different country, where, where they are from. And what do we expect those people to do? Speak English to us, right? So I can understand what you're saying, even though I'm in, I'm in your country. You know? Bias? Prejudice? Do we show bias by gender? Um, do we think that God, in his plan, put men to be the head of families and to be leaders in the church because somehow men are superior in their intelligence and their ability to whatever, speak, work with people or whatever. The Bible never says any of that, right? And you hear about uh, in, in the world and maybe sometimes in our church too, you know, women can't do certain things and wonder why. Women of abilities and things like that. Do we show sinful bias by a person's economic level, or maybe their educational level. Who, who, what kind of people do we like to, to hang around socially, go golfing with? You know, are they of a certain level? Or, or if you have the chance to go with the boss, it's much better than if you go with somebody else to do these sort of things. Why is that? Why is that? Sin, sinful nature, Satan. We need to, to learn and learn and, and relearn again, right, about biases, our biases. How does Jesus deal with biases? Well, in various ways at various times, of course. Um, let's see how it worked with Peter. Peter said, then he be, Peter began to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. <clears throat> 
So obviously before that, what did he think God did? Well, showed favoritism, right? Now he knows it's different. Now he is starting to learn that it is different, and he needed to continue learning that. A one-day shot is not going to change anybody. But he was starting to learn, right? The education of Peter was starting in earnest. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. It almost comes off as if this is shocking news, that God loves everyone, right? And that perhaps Jesus lived and died for everyone, for all people. That when Jesus on, on the mountain Galilee, after his resurrection, when he told them to go and make disciples of all nations, he actually meant what he said? Every nation, every group, every people, every age, every gender? Yes, right? <laughs> yes, Peter. Yes, other disciples. Yes, people of apostles. No bias. No prejudice by Jesus. And it's God's will that there be none among his followers. Then and now. But God had only begun the amazing events of that day <clears throat> to take away sinful bias. We read, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, who are the Jewish Christians, who had come with Peter. You see what, what, what's going on there? Peter didn't, well, he wasn't called to bring a whole group of people to support him. He was called to come, but he, you know, it's like, I ain't going there alone. What if people say things about me and make up stories of, that I did things that I shouldn't have done? So he brings his compadres along. So they, you know, they all go up there, and they're kind of listening to what's going on. <clears throat> and they were astonished, he said, when the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, and Luke writes, even on Gentiles. Gentiles, too? I mean, okay, so they can believe in Jesus Christ, but surely there's some kind of a tier system. You know, we Jewish believers and all that. No, 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 right? Same treatment, same Savior. No difference. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. The same kind of gifts that were poured out on the disciples at Pentecost, right? These people could do. And we're doing. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized. Oh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, actually meant to go and baptize these people. Yes, yes. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And I'll bet he did. Teaching, learning, learning again. The importance that our God wins over bias. The message in dealing with the Canaanite woman. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Again, clearly, no sinful bias or prejudice against this person because she was a woman or because she was a Canaanite. Just think about how God, how Jesus treated women. 
and the important role that women had in his ministry. A number of women from Galilee, it says, came and, and supported him and the disciples and took care of them. Who were the people that were faithfully watching the crucifixion? Women. Who went to um, the grave to see where they put his body? Women. Who were the first to get up in the morning and run to the tomb? Uh, it was women. Who were the first to hear the good news? He is not here. He has risen. Women. Who were the first to share that good news with others, including men, the disciples? It was God-fearing women. Share the good news. Jesus is alive, and he's alive for everyone. How does God take care of sinful bias with us? Probably in different ways at different times. Hopefully, these are the basis of that. First of all, he takes care of it with, with awareness. Right? So we become aware of the way we think and the way we talk and the way we act. And are, are, are mindful of, of, of a sinful bias that can come out at any time. And be sensitive to someone else when they say, you know, that was not a very, you know, God-pleasing comment. You know, just blow it off. Ah, no, I was just kidding. Um, be aware of that. And when we come, become aware of, the, of that, that we have shown or thought sinfully quickly, right? Feel the, the, the God's anger over that and God's desire to have us turn it over to him. And receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ earned. For, yes, the Jewish people, but also us Gentiles, thankfully. And then be assured that those sins are forgiven, right? And you can bet God's going to give you another opportunity, another soul that will come to you, that without Jesus will spend an eternity in hell. And as, the, as that song that we sang, come, eternity is coming soon. <laughs> Right? That's what Jesus said. Be ready for that. How are we going to be able to do that? Well, like we can do anything else, right? With God's grace and his power. As we remember and live our lives showing that our God wins over bias. Amen.